0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this second episode of our podcast series on First Lutheran Podcasts as we work through the season of Advent. Our Advent theme this year is based on Savior of the Nations Come, and we are in Advent 2 this week, which its focus theme for Advent 2 is Christ Has Come. Later, I'll be joined by Bishop Costanza Hagmeyer, Bishop of the South Dakota Synod, as we will talk about some of the traditions of Advent and where and how they came about um, and uh, why it's important for these traditions to uh, symbolize for us through the season of Advent. Each week of Advent, we will focus on the gospel text, which will be the preaching texts on each Sunday. And for the second week of Advent, our gospel text comes from Matthew chapter 3, Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff... He will burn with unquenchable fire. Today I welcome Bishop Costanza Hagemeyer. Costanza took over as Bishop of the South Dakota Synod in September this last fall and has been earnestly called to doing her work in the Synod and being uh, present in the church here. And so welcome, Bishop. Uh, It is good to have you with us today.
1: It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: So for those of our audience that haven't really had the chance to interact with you or get to know you, I know you uh, were here preaching a few weeks ago on Reformation Sunday, but that doesn't always allow uh, people to get to know you. They certainly hear you. Um, give us a little introduction about yourself, who you are and your family, and, and interestingly, uh, a little bit of your life history.
1: All right. Thanks for the opportunity. So I was uh, born and raised in Germany in the western part of Germany. I spent my childhood there and um, became an exchange student in the 80s, a Rotary exchange student. Lived in Sioux Falls, attended va- school in Brandon Valley High School. Um, got really the feel for the church by attending um, Brandon Lutheran, and uh, returned and failed to call to ministry. Finished high school. Started um, seminary, met my husband there very early on. We were married in 96 and um, added a child in 99. Then immigrated. We won the green card and a lottery, but that's another podcast. (laughs) Um, And immigrated in 1999, September 1st, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, Started our family and our ministry here in this beautiful state. In the northeastern corner in Wa Bay, South Dakota. The metropolis of Wa The metropolis of Day County. <laughs> yes. And um, anyway, we moved several places and had ministries across the eastern part of South Dakota. My last call was at Trinity Lutheran as a co pastor with my husband. I did the administrative piece. And we were there the last 10 years. And as you said, I started on September 1st to. Serve as the Bishop of the South Dakota Synod. We have three children now, um, raging in the ages of 21, 20, and 4. And (laughs) 4. There's just no other way of saying it. And 4.
0: Right, right. Well, and I appreciate that you have uh, definitely set as a priority, uh, along with your job, that it's well known that your family, yeah. is is your first call, and uh, I do appreciate that about your uh, upfrontedness about that. This yeah. is, I've learned that you are upfront about many things. Yes, and that, that's and right. That is one of them. So, well, uh, why we're gathered today is uh, we're talking a little bit about Advent, uh, and uh, last week we dealt with a little bit of uh, some of the theology of Advent. Um, And how Advent uh, prepares us, not that uh, it gives us this opportunity to take pause is what we kind of learned, Uh, but that God intersects us every day and that in Advent we celebrate uh, three of Christ's comings, and that is uh, at Bethlehem as the Christ child. Uh, that we anticipate the day that he'll return again in his second coming, but also in the promises of our baptism, that we wake each day in the promises of Christ intersecting our lives uh, when we recognize that. And so as we kind of uh, have worked through some of that part of Advent, um, some of my research about why we do what we do at times uh, kind of centers around some of these traditions that uh, help us kind of celebrate Advent and kind of give it specific meaning. And as I started to do some of that research, interestingly, I found that many of the traditions that we are uh, aware of anyway um, stem from Germany or uh, European descent. Uh, Certainly we hear a little bit later that the Scandinavian countries got involved and uh, changed up some things. And uh, And uh, the Church of England as well. So um, I kind of thought we would talk just a little bit about some of those things. You know, we have, um, first of all, we have the liturgical colors of the year. um, And knowing that, that the season of Advent historically was originally a penitential season. So it's very closely or similarly tied in the mentality of Lent. But uh, you and I were talking a little bit about how the Lenten color of purple being was the original color of Advent, but later it changed to blue, and we were talking a little bit about that before. If you want to kind of speak into some of your sure. uh, understanding that as well.
1: So as far as the liturgical year is concerned, um, Advent, of course, starts with the first Sunday of Advent, um, which follows Christ the King Sunday, the end of yet another church year, and the the Advent season then ends, of course, um, once Christmas. The Christmas season starts, and the color blue is really the royal color, the color of anticipation and hope. And um, I I do have a deep love for children's ministry. And um, it speaks into into children's lives that very clearly as they surround us have a hopefulness about Christmas, right? right? While many of us are dreading the countdown of, oh man, I only have this much time left before Christmas is here. The children are in in great anticipate right. anticipation. So um, this this color of hopefulness. Um, and this new life that is going to enter our lives, not just, as you said, that particular night, but each and every day. And also a reminder of the waters of baptism is just a beautiful life that's around, life-giving waiting that surrounds us. And that's really what this is, is this life-giving waiting, this waiting with hope and anticipation that is expressed in this color blue.
0: Yeah, very good. We... Uh uh, we're talking a little bit also about, I, I I'm, as a mother, uh, also, obviously, any of us that have children, the anticipation of Christmas is a huge thing. And I'm sure with Emma being four right now, uh, that that's a big part of your world, it you is. know, what, what comes in this time of the year and trying to keep her, you know, settled into the waiting and, and those kinds of things. I know in our house, you know, we had antics that would happen once in a while where uh, presents would be opened on the end to see what they <laughs> might be and then retaped, you know, perfectly so that we couldn't tell and, you know, some things there. So um, it's a fun time of the year, too. Along with that, I mean, kind of the idea that um, there's kind of a countdown that happens mm-hmm. through Advent. I mean, and this is some of the traditions, again, that I kind of spoke about. You know, we were aware of, like, the Advent calendars. Yeah. Um, and that uh, kind of guides that Mm -hmm. anticipation a little bit. Of course, um, Advent calendars come in many forms. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, we know in the church especially, we get bombarded by a variety of ways that uh, we can do an Advent calendar together. uh, I've seen, of course, in-house in here at First Lutheran, our youth and family staff has focused in on that uh, and kind of giving special emphasis each mm-hmm. day of something else in the season of Advent or Christmas, mm-hmm. Christmas anticipation. Um, anything there, I mean, that, sure. that stands out?
1: Um, honestly, looking at it as a family standpoint, you said they come in all sorts and varieties of shapes one thing that maybe might not be as closely related to the advent calendar but what we have found helpful as we raise children and and walk alongside of their journey of faith and waiting is to to play with a nativity scene oh yeah um that has been fun we always allowed our children to to build the stable yeah that we in tradition think Jesus was born into and to actually not place baby Jesus into the manger and to have Mary and Joseph way off sight, and the shepherds in the field way off sight, and then the wise men so really when you set up your nativity scene there isn't anything there but the animals yeah and so we have incorporated the nativity scene and part of our advent journey so besides having either a scripture verse or, you know, even if it's just a piece of candy, it doesn't matter. But this this fun piece of counting down, but then um, alongside moving Mary and Joseph on their journey to just get a sense of what does this mean? And as your child grows older, this journey can be um, much more of a of a research project, of how far did they have to go, what did they have as resources, what was really going on. Um, With little children, it's just fun for them to get a sense of that it doesn't come prepackaged. There there is a process, and waiting is joyful anticipation, um, but as much as this, I wish we would just be there. Um, I want it now. Right. And especially in the society where we, where we have instant gratification, it just in this piece of having it be a journey, um, there's value in that and to taking the breaks um, of a journey. You know, to, to go back to the story of creation where God rested on the seventh day. What did right. Mary and Joseph actually do in this journey? Right, right. So it's, it's really an opportunity. And I, I, I always tell people have as much freedom. With it as as you wish, but don't just boil it down to candy, which is a great incentive, and go with all the candy that you want if your children like candy. But but tie the loose ends together because there come questions with this, right. right? Right. And allow these questions to happen in this natural conversation, and don't make it the setup conversation. But allow your children to have these questions. That doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. Right.
0: When I was listening to you talk about this, um, I was thinking about our confirmation class, and I teach the Bible, the entire Bible, in one year, which is twenty sessions, which of course cannot do the Bible justice. Um, But one of the things that I that was kind of um, I was recalling in my memory was uh, in the last couple weeks we've been trying to tie up the the Old Testament, Um, and you almost get this sense from them of well why do we need to know the history of the Old Testament and what the covenant was and all of those things? Because uh, in Christ, everything changed. But there's so much richness and depth there that we lose if we don't kind of tell the narrative of the story. And, and that's the thing that was standing out to me as you were talking, is there is, there is much more to know mm-hmm. other than, like you said, this prepackaged image that we, sent, we tend to get uh, in the Nativity. And so it becomes
1: great. flat. Right. I mean, it it just becomes another piece that you set up on your mantle. Um, and really, this is, when, when we're already stretched from where the world intersects our faith life, mm-hmm. this is just a, a given opportunity to have those two worlds intermingle. Yeah. I, we, we can't ask for more. It's just really handed to us on the silver platter. Right. And we would be not wise to not make good use of it. Very <laughs> good.
0: So one of the other things that I uh, also uh, thought was kind of interesting as we at First Lutheran have jumped into this podcast uh, mentality, and this is maybe more informative to you, but um, in the Scandinavian countries during the time of Advent, uh, they actually have had a had a history, in recent history anyway, of developing radio shows and Television shows specifically to kind of count down the days and walk through the stories and those kinds of things. Um, now I'm gonna I'm going to massacre the Hallmark this. Channel does that yeah, the, too I'm sure. <laughs> the Hallmark Channel in the U.S. is our well they call it the Yule calendar uh, and I know I'm slaughtering that to you uh, Norwegians and Finns and Swedes that are out there, but uh, but it is actually um, a dedicated time. Where in those countries, there's this program that plays through the the time of Mm -hmm. Advent. And it's meant to be kind of the same thing of kind of telling the story as it goes Mm -hmm. uh, in music and poems and and stories. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought that was an interesting kind of parallelism with us walking through Advent in this kind of new format Mm -hmm. for us as well. So one of the other big traditions, and here at First Lutheran we do this in our chancel area over Advent, is the, the Advent wreath um this uh the advent wreath came to be out of the german lutheran tradition this mm-hmm. is definitely something that can be tied to the german lutheran uh, church uh the first inklings of kind of the the uh, widespread use of it was in the time of the mid 1500s mm-hmm. uh during the time of you know the augsburg confession and all of those things that of the church kind of trying to find out or figure out what it what it was doing uh through the reformers um, and there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of historical tradition with it. Now, the modern use of the Advent wreath, um, what I kind of learned, has some different symbolism than what it did in its mm-hmm. original form. And maybe there's some things there that you could talk to a little bit in your knowledge.
1: Sure. So the Advent wreath, as as I grew up in Germany, was uh, we actually would sit down. So this was a church activity. We sat down as a family of faith and a uh, Bound the evergreen branches together in an afternoon activity. Okay. Um, and then, again, it became a teaching opportunity to say, you know why we're using evergreen? And then we learned, well, because God is never ending and never beginning. He's always there. So, so
0: can I interrupt you on yeah. one thing? Another interesting thing, and this is actually what I, in a little bit of my research, is you use the word Bound you bound the wreath in yeah. the evergreen and there's even an understanding of symbolism within mm-hmm. that so yeah, I, I don't you know yeah you
1: just it's this binding of us to Christ in our daily living in our it's so simple um, and then we would actually use red candles to To set on the tree, except then there's a white candle in the center, the Christ candle, right. and the red candles were symbolic for Christ's blood that was shed. And so every, every so once we we got that piece done. Usually that happened on Christ the King Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then we would take it home, and of course the fragrance of the freshly cut pine. Or evergreen branches would fill your house, and it would already start with this anticipation. And then I remember the very first Sunday we would—it would always happen in the afternoon at my house. On Sunday afternoons, my mom, we would all sit down around the the um, the Advent wreath, and we would light the first candle. And then there would be a story that would would go with this lighting, and to just watch how the candle would burn down and this sequence of that the waiting got shorter just by how short the stump of the candle is Mm -hmm. and then the christ candle in the center being this light that would would shine at christmas and we always my brother and i of course um would always wonder if the Advent wreath would ever start on flames because the first <laughs> candle would be, and we were always quizzing my mom how she would make it work, that it would always outlast those four weeks right, until right. the Christ. So there's just again, you're you're coming into a childlike inquisitiveness about these things. Right. And even though there's meaning behind them, it, it just kind of draws you in and it, it's part of, of your life. It becomes yeah. part of who you are. And then there would always be the reading that goes with it. I was not familiar until I came to the United States with an attribution of each candle having a certain name. Yeah. And I found out in different traditions that I served that each tradition claims to that is the only name you right, can give right, this candle. Right. So if you want me to speak in that reality, I'll I, I take a little break because I'm still figuring out who said this is it. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Well, of course, that's that's sometimes the way it works in the church, yep, right? it does. Uh, it has this is always the we've been always that always done way. It. That's yep. right. These are the, the <laughs> great challenging words of the, of the church. Yeah, we, um, again, kind of understanding, same, a very similar story. Um, As many of you know, I didn't grow up in the church. So kind of my first uh, um, engagement with the Advent candle came at my wife's family, and um, the Advent wreath was something that they had as a tradition and was a tradition, very strong tradition, while her father was alive. Um, And through the time of Advent, that was always a very regular part of our family dinner on Sunday night was lighting the candle. And and like you said, I mean, the first week was the candle of hope, and then it was the candle of peace. Then it was the candle of joy, and then the candle of love. And there was always this collect or prayer or story or something (laughs) that went along with that. And it was always very curious to me uh, as to what that was about and of course um as i learned what it meant to be lutheran especially uh that we love our traditions and 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 we love walking through the patterns of these traditions whenever we can mm-hmm. because it, it does remind us of the consistency and the faithfulness of god mm-hmm. uh in what we're doing so i appreciate you talking a little bit about your family tradition of that there are some other um things that that uh have been tradition in the Lutheran Church. Um, that maybe you and I aren't as familiar with in our own history. Um, one of those is the chrisman tree mm-hmm. uh, tradition. Um, and as I was, um, as we were preparing for this conversation today, I was, uh, of course, telling you that here at First Lutheran, we actually our trees that are are decorated in the chancel area over the Advent season actually somewhat are guided by this idea of the chrisman tree, um, in that they are very. Uh, plain compared to a Christmas tree, which can be very colorful and and uh, have a variety of ways that it's decorated. But uh, the Christmas tradition is very um, is stark uh, in a way. Uh, you don't have you know ornaments that are are um, usually colorful. They're you don't usually have white. A Mickey Mouse on that. Yeah, you don't have a Mickey Mouse or anything like that. Um, they're usually white. They're usually gold. Uh, In a true Chrisman tradition, those ornaments would symbolize the various ministry components of Christ's ministry. So you'll have symbols like the dove or the fish or, you know, um, some of those kinds of things that symbolize some of that ministry. But but here at First Lutheran, um, the tradition has been we have these trees with these white ornaments on them that are like snowflakes. That were made long, long ago, crocheted, and and they're they're highly valued and protected here uh, at First Lutheran for sure. Um, but you and I were talking about that 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 mm-hmm. wasn't really something that you had grown up with. No, necessarily.
1: I I hadn't, but I I <sighs> did embrace this tradition um, just because again it is another opportunity to show the many faces of Christ yeah. and um, the presence of. Of Christ in our life in so many different ways I, I valued it that way and I I do use it as a teaching tool mm-hmm. especially when when people struggle with a certain identity that we traditionally attribute to Jesus the Christ and people traditionally because of their life experience struggle with I'm not sure I can embrace this face of Christ in that unbiased way. Mm -hmm. And to have the Christmas tree to say and to say out in a quiet way, this is only one way how Christ shows up in your life. Mm -hmm. But there are all these other ways that Christ shows up in your life. And again, working with children and that being a passion of mine, it's a good opportunity to ask them, how do you show up? Do you only show up as the brother who is a pain in his little sister's, you know, life? Or does your sister only show up in a way being a pain in your life? Um, Do you show up as a classmate? Do you show up as a son? Do you? So it gives us opportunities to say Christ isn't just one way. How he shows up. Christ shows up in multiple ways. And what does this mean? And to just kind of do a little research. What does, why is the dove? Why does Christ show up as the dove? Right. So it's it's a, just a great opportunity to show um, the many ways Christ is present in our life, not just today, but every day.
0: I think that's great. I think that's a great way of seeing that. Well, we've talked a little bit about, you know, traditions of the church historically, And uh, you've touched on, you know, some things that you have had present in your life. Um, Is there anything else that you guys do as a family um, that celebrates Advent, you know, obviously in a different way?
1: We actually celebrate St. Nicholas Day.
0: Ah.
1: We do. That is on December 6th. Okay. And St. Nicholas was a bishop in Turkey, and he did a very selfless thing of saving a girl from slavery through this random gift of gold to the dad that saved actually the daughter's life from being sold into slavery. And we celebrate it with this anonymous Mm -hmm. gift that St. Nicholas brings and take the focus off. Santa coming on Christmas Eve where in the world I grew up in it was the Christ child who brought a gift again symbolizing that the true gift is the Christ child but he also gifts us in turn um with gifts that we are to share with each other so I I found that helpful and um in remaining in the true Christ child tradition Mm -hmm. and having still the fun of Santa come, but in the Netherlands and in Germany, that is a tradition that is pretty strongly upheld to have St. Nicholas Day be celebrated and and be about St. Nicholas and the good deed.
0: Right, right. That's very interesting. I, I mean, I know there's a tradition of St. Nicholas, mm-hmm. but have not had it present necessarily in mm-hmm. my own life, you know, and I don't know. It's
1: kind of fun. Yeah,
0: it's very fun actually. Yeah, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's of course, a, a variety of ways. Um, sure. is And that's the thing that we, uh, that I kind of wanted to focus on today is, you know, whatever your tradition is in your family is important to you and, um, you know, some people celebrate it in very different ways than than we do, and that doesn't make it right or wrong or any of those mm-hmm. things. But I think at the end of the day, uh, what we've touched on is this um, interruption mm-hmm. of Advent, um, that it is God coming to us in so many different mm-hmm. ways, uh, again, that, that we get to see. Um, and sometimes we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great in this season that we can actually um, lift that up in in a different way than we do in other times of the year. So,
1: if I can add one more thing, yeah, all right. So, one if you are thinking about Advent traditions and what what you would like to do as you prepare, um, one of the things that don't cost anything and probably don't even take much preparation time is to read the Christmas story every single day through the season of Advent. And even though that might sound redundant, um, I have found it to be life-giving in preparation of Christ's birth and what that means in my life. As I read that story during the season of Advent every single day, I have made it a practice to just focus on one word that stays stands out to me that, that day mm-hmm. and to carry it throughout that day and look for Christ in places that I go and, and show up. So that's just, if you listen to this and you're not sure what to go and what to do and what to get, there we go.
0: So go to Luke 2, read yeah. the Advent story. So I know you do a lot of your stuff very early in the morning. I do. So can I ask you what your word of today is?
1: I haven't started. Oh, oh. my word, I haven't started on the Christmas story yet. <laughs> right, right. My word for today is that actually, um, no matter what, Christ will love you.
0: I... I. Uh, I was kind of anticipating that this is coming out in Advent. So I was
1: (laughs) kind of thinking uh, Uh, it might have been fun
0: to to give a word for for uh, today. Give
1: a word. I can go back to the (laughs) past to give a word. And lots of these words centered around um, questioning what was going on. Um, Even it was just the word donkey, I I paid attention to... um, my my mode of transportation throughout the day, right? Oh, yeah. So most of the time the donkey was already a privilege. Um, and to even have that donkey was it really caring Mary? I did a little bit of research, you know, because yeah. I, I do have an acquisitive mind and I want to know was the donkey carrying what they needed? Did they even take something? What's my mode of transportation? I really paid attention to, how I get around and how I use it and why I use my vehicle, which again is, was it necessary? We live in South Dakota. Is it really necessary to let it run half an hour before to warm up? <laughs> I mean, it just gives me opportunity to reflect right. on my day and and how how Christ shows up in the midst of that. Right. So,
0: even in the simple
1: things. In the simple things, as yeah. my car, yeah, keyless entry. My goodness,
0: remote start.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> cool stuff. Great.
0: Well, uh, Bishop, I thank you for your time. I think this has been uh, a great discussion for us to just, uh, again, think about this week differently as we make our way towards the Nativity of Christ on Christmas Day uh, and and opens up just a different way of thinking Mm -hmm. of how God is at work amongst us. So thank you for your time.
1: Thanks for having me here.
0: I'd like to thank you today for joining us in this second episode of the First Lutheran Church podcast and I'd like to thank Bishop Costanza Hagemeyer for uh, the conversation today and insight into our traditions. Please join us again next week uh, for Advent 3 as we will focus in on the theme that Christ will come again. I'll be joined by... Zachary Brockhoff, the organist and director of music at First Lutheran Church, as we will talk about some of the music and hymnody of the season of Advent and some of the stories behind some of our favorite Christmas songs. Have a blessed week.